brought to you by the good folks at Guadney Buick GMC, next to Sam's in North Little Rock. This is Guadney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. Remember, if you ever missed the show, you can always go to guadneyunplugged.com and listen to uh, past episodes and whatnot. We're talking real estate today with uh, Keith Montgomery. He has mid-south real estate academy in north little rock how are you keith i'm doing great how are you scott man i appreciate you coming up and uh, being on the uh, show today my pleasure are you from north little rock uh originally yes i grew up in north little rock and went to searcy to college and came back to north little rock we're at in north little rock i grew up in rose city i grew up in amboy okay yeah yeah I was like kind of leavey kind of yeah, area. Yeah, and went to Ridge Road Junior High, Old Main High School. Where where did the interest in real estate come from? You know, I was just out of college and looking to do something. And I took a sales job with a forklift dealership. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And because... I majored in marketing and minored in psychology, and I thought I would try to see if I could use that. And oddly enough, that was when Channel 2 KETS was the channel you went to to watch public uh, television. And there was a guy on there teaching real estate. And I got to watching his show, and he was teaching a real estate course and I had recently bought a house. A friend of mine that was in real estate that I went to high school with taught me into buying a house. Sure. And I didn't think I could because at the time I didn't have a job. (laughs) You wouldn't think. Um, But he taught me something. He said, if you can pay rent, you can buy a house. Sure. And he showed me how. So, I, uh, actually I attempted to sell the house and make a little money on it. And I had honestly a bad experience because I listed the house with an agent that seemed like, you know, they were going to just really do everything to get it sold quickly. And honestly, I never heard from them again until it got ready to expire. Oh, wow. And So I got to thinking, you know, this is something I see these people driving around in big cars and stuff and working when I'm not and and not working when I am. So I just went to real estate school at night while I was working and started part time. And the economy was such that Arkansas's interest rate ceiling at the time was 10%. So we couldn't finance a lot of industrial equipment in Arkansas. We had our clients were like Georgia Pacific and yeah. and a lot of the paper plants and pulp mills. So you know what they say, if last hired, first fired. So I got laid off and I had the real estate license. So I just kind of jumped in with both feet. Do you remember the first house you sold? I do. I know exactly where it was. It was over on Roosevelt Road right by the airport it was listed i listed it for 29.5 it sold for 29 and the house is not even there anymore really Uh, where they built the new runway uh several years ago uh they took that house as part of the 
properties they took to build that runway. So still have the file on it, though. Cars were not 29.5 then. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, more like around 29.50. What led to you established the first real estate school uh, in North Little Rock next door to McKimmy, correct? Um, actually, it was before that. When I went to real estate school to get my license, at the time, you actually didn't even have to go to school. If you could pass the test, you got your license. I got you. And, but you had to do 30 hours of class within a year. So I went to a school. Uh, it was National School of Real Estate, and it was owned by uh, Paul Harris, who was a past president of the I mean, he was well-known in the real estate business at the time. And when I went back a few months later to get my broker's license, he asked me if I would be interested in teaching in his night classes mm -hmm. because his night instructor was going to uh, law school at night. And, of course, I was looking to do anything to make a little extra money. And But teaching was really not on my radar. Sure. But after I got to doing it for a little while, uh, I really enjoyed it and more or less developed a passion for it. And it was right along with what I was doing in real estate. So I actually worked out a deal with him a few years later to purchase the school. I gotcha. So I bought the school in 1989 from him. And in 92, when I moved it down to the building right next door to McKimmy. Oh, okay. So it was somewhere else at, at some yeah, point. It was, it was in Park Hill. Uh, it was still, you know, more or less in North Little Rock, but I moved it from a, uh, a rental situation to where I uh, bought the building. Sure. Well, back in those days, and probably I'm wondering now, what percentage of real estate agents in Arkansas have had went to one of your classes? You know, I, I own National Real Estate School for 28 years, and in Central Arkansas, I would say, and and I'm being conservative, at least 60 percent, if not think. more. Yeah, I mean, do you have people come from all corners of the state to go to your school now? We do, and the good thing now, because we're able to do virtual classes along with our in house classes uh most all of our classes are hybrid we have some people in class and we have some people on the computer now if they're on the computer are they watching you live yes yeah okay, it's so they virtual. might as well have been sitting in the class they they might as well but if like uh i just finished a class yesterday and one of the students was in michigan wow and he was getting his arkansas license here but uh, when COVID hit, we had to, you know, do something to, cause I had classes going on when they shut everything down. Right. And fortunately we were already offering online courses between the student and the computer. So they allowed us to go ahead and do the zoom classes with the regular classes. That probably just grew that whole side yeah. of it. And so it really expanded our reach around the state because, you know, people don't have to travel to take the class because they're sitting right there in class. Right. 
What kind of led to establishing Mid-South Real Estate Academy? You kind of took a little while off, correct? I did. I, I sold National School Real Estate in December of 2012. And... In January, I was starting to have a little seller's remorse. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, when you sell a business, you have to sit on the sidelines for a while. So I uh, actually managed a company in Greer's Ferry for a while. And then uh, Byron McKimmy and I have been friends for 35 years. And, I talked with him and wound up moving my license over with him. And it gave me an opportunity to do more real estate in that time period. So when I was able to start back in teaching classes, uh, I honestly had a, a much better perspective than I had before because I was out there doing it, making yeah. a living just like everybody yeah. else. So it kind of was a out in the trenches with them. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty cool. What is, let's throw out the, uh, the website and the location of the mid South. Okay. Uh, website is midsouthacademy.com and location is 3801 JFK in North Little Rock. Our phone number is 501-819-3769. And you are in the old Park Hill School, I guess. We are. You, you, it's we, very uh, great to utilize that building. Um, actually, uh, Byron and a group bought that building and refurbished it and turned it into more or less a business center. And I was the first tenant in that building. Um, and now we've got everything from yoga studios to churches to daycares to you name it that's but, fantastic um but yeah i mean it's i occasionally will have a student that says i was in this very classroom when i was in elementary school you know it seems like over the last five ten years or so it has exploded the number of people getting into real estate it, are there too many agents not enough agents is there enough business for all of this i mean it seems like a lot of people want to get into this and it does sound like a lot of fun yeah um you know when the market uh is good and in 2020 2021 we had a market that we had honestly never seen in arkansas um, uh, yeah, it I, was it was a hyper seller's market, for lack of a better term, because we had a very low inventory of properties and we had, uh, I think one statistic showed there were 15 buyers for every single listing. And the interest rates were low. And the interest rates were low. And, you know, they were still around three, three and a half percent. And it was not unusual for us to put a property on the market and literally within hours have 10 to 15 offers. Sight unseen, maybe. Some sight unseen and some, I don't need an appraisal. I don't need an inspection. I mean, the buyers were just giving up all kinds of things they normally would not just to be oh, able sure. to, get to, to get the house. And, you know, one thing I've started a few years ago asking classes, especially pre-license, how many of you watched HGTV? And it's almost 100%. So that's actually helped 
a lot in getting people's interest in real estate. But yeah, anytime the market is good, people will tell other people. And But as far as the number of people in real estate, um, you know, right now the market is slower than it was. Um, we still have a, what I would call a decent market, uh, still seller's market because we still have a lower inventory, but, uh, the people that are, that got into business in 2020 and 2021 are now seeing a different side of the business. Yeah. And so real estate has always been a very transient business. You see people get in and get out. Uh, and from what I've seen, it's a lot of lack of understanding of how the business really works. And when they get into the business and, oh, this is really work. Um, you know, it's a lot more than just showing houses. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we do that are behind the scenes that, you know, our, our clients don't necessarily see us do. And sometimes we have to, you know, just kind of let them know, here's all the things we're having to do behind the scenes. But I actually recently looked at some history at the real estate commission and the record number of agents was in 1978. It's been a while. It's been a while, but currently we have, uh, and that was almost 17,000 in the whole state license agents. Okay. Currently we've got between 15, uh, and 16,000. So we're not quite near record numbers, but, um, you know, the business kind of self self corrects itself. Sure. Um, so I've never seen it saturated to the point where if somebody gets in the business and gets good training and does what they're taught to do, cannot make it in the business, regardless of how many people are in the business. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, it's, you would do business with people I may not know or do business with. And likewise for me. And so everybody has their own niche of, uh, sphere of influence and, and people they know. So it, um, I don't think it ever will be saturated. Although the appearance from the outside looking in is, yeah. You know, Mike Nolan came up and it's a great point about if you got into this in 2021, it's the same with car sales. You know, there wasn't a lot of selling involved at that point. Right. You know, and now you learn, now you need the part people are thinking about it and, you know, I'll be back and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's crept into real estate a little more it, than it It had. really has. The, the example I use, I had a cousin a long time ago that played professional baseball and every year they'd go to spring training and I went to a couple and it's like they're going back to the basic fundamentals every year and these are million dollar sure plus players and that's what we're having to do you know you you get in the market when you get a listing it's going to sell to getting in the market and now you got to do some marketing and promoting and getting people into the property so 
Basically, it boils down to you never get past the fundamentals. You know, I've heard stuff like, it seems like California stuff there. You know, you hear about a car, you know, a house listed, and now there's eight offers, and they're all above the listing price. And that has been occurring in Arkansas, correct? Yes. yes. Unheard uh, very of. Much so. Unheard of in, in, you know, years past. Yeah. Again, it was, I don't think anyone alive had seen the market we did in 2020 and 2021. Uh, it's, it was a, again, a market no one had ever seen. And honestly, we all kind of walked our way through the market mm-hmm. learning things because it was, uh, it was different. Yeah. Different. How long is the basic academy? The pre-licensed course uh, is a 60-hour sales pre-licensed course. We do that in uh, our day classes are Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5 for two weeks. And we do a weekend class, which is three weekends, Saturday and Sunday, from 9 to 6 each day. So after they complete the 60 hours, then they're able to uh, apply to take the exam and then it's a matter of you know passing the exam um, but we also do broker pre-license uh, somebody wanting to get a broker's license has to have at least two years active as a sales license but they go through a similar process they have 60 hour broker pre-license and pass the test and both sales and brokers have post license classes they're having to do plus there's always continuing education for everybody for so, the for the average listener what's the difference between a salesperson and a broker How, who would know um <laughs> oh they'll tell you um yeah sure sure <laughs> people with a broker's license want people to know but the primary difference is someone with a broker's license has the ability to run a company supervise agents and with a sales license, you don't have that ability. You're always going to be licensed under a broker. I got you. So, it's but the there's next a, level. It's the sergeant. Yeah. The, you know, yeah. I mean, you know. There's, uh, there's always, I tell people, you want to get your broker's license as soon as you can because just having it, you're able to take advantage of situations when they do come along. A lot of owners today do not, run their company they have a principal broker they hire so there's a lot of opportunities in management for people with broker licenses ah, that makes sense what's the cost to attend and get that basic license the in-class cost which includes our books for sales is 325 and if you take it online it's 350 and the reason for the difference is postage and getting your materials and books to you but um, that's the cost of taking the course. And then you have the cost of applying to take the exam, which altogether is $86 and 25 cents. And then it's $75 to take the exam. So it's all very reasonable. Oh yeah. Uh, by the time someone goes through school, applies to take the test, take the test, they have spent somewhere roughly around $600. Not bad at all for something no. like that. And, and I guess it's good for a lifetime. Uh, well, you have to renew your license every year and you have to have 
seven hours of continuing education every year. So you could come down to your school and get your Absolutely. get your we seven do all hours. the any education that is required. We do them all. What what is the percentage of people that pass the first time? Can you take it as many times as you need to? You can. Um, the uh, The statewide percentage has actually been a little lower in the last few months. Um, we've had pass rates as high as uh, in the 80%, but right now I would say statewide is running around 50 uh we're always a, a higher than the state average, but um, a lot of what lends itself to that is when people, I can, and I can kind of tell when they start to real estate mm-hmm. school, if they're really engaged or sometimes they get in and go, wow, I didn't know you had to know all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little over my head. Um it's a but, lot of legal stuff, I would think. Uh, there's a lot of contract law and and uh, yeah, some some legal stuff like deeds and types of deeds and actually a lot of terminology that they learn for the test. And depending on the area of real estate they go in, they may or may not use some of that terminology mm-hmm. again. But the test is testing someone's basic real estate knowledge but i tell people not get discouraged if you don't pass the test the first time because it's not testing your ability to sell real estate yeah it's testing your ability to remember facts remember facts right and uh, it is so reasonable to attend this thing i mean you could get out with your license six hundred dollars or so yeah and when you go to work for a company there are some uh startup expenses that you'll have with the company with realtor dues and MLS fees, et cetera. So overall for an agent, by the time they're with a company and ready to go, uh, they probably spent $1,100, $1,200. That's not including the Escalade with the decals and the windows. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's extra. That's extra. <laughs> you gotta, but, you, you gotta know, have all that. It's a unique business because one sale, you're in the black. I mean, you've paid all your expenses. Yeah, exactly. In just one sale. You know, and it's kind of, a, you know, it's something where if you're kind of an individual type person, I mean, you kind of approach it on your own, correct? I correct. Mean, in, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's all agents are, I would say 99% of the agents are hired as independent contractors. So, some people acclimate to that very well, and some people have a little problem adjusting to that because they've come from a structured job mm-hmm. where somebody's told them, you know, when to be there, when to go home, when to have lunch, all that stuff. So as a broker, we try to work with agents to try to give them a little structure, and, and the more structure they have, the better they're going to do. But it is self-employment. So, you know, they, they can work anytime they want. I tell people you only have to work half days. It's just pick whichever 12 hours you want. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what what sets the highly successful ones apart? I mean, is it just drive? Do they put in more hours? What yeah. What do you see in them? Uh, it starts number one with good training, and I tell new agents when they're looking for a company, you need to ask a lot of questions about their training. Um, but beyond that, you have to apply the training and it's not unlike any other business. Um, you put the time in, you build your business, um, and really they should look at it like opening a business because Mm -hmm. when you open a business, you got to put all the time in you can to build the business up. And then after a while you can, you know, back off a little bit of that, but it's, it's hard work and persistence. It's true. In your experience, wh- tell us some of the craziest real estate transactions you've been involved in. You know, something where you thought this is never going to close. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's got to be something nuts. Um, you know, I was thinking about a, a couple of those. Um, I've had a transaction where I was a week before closing. It was a commercial transaction and actually one of the buyers was a very good friend of mine and he was, uh, killed in a drunk driver's accident about a week before closing. Oh no. And I was relatively new at the time I'd been in. Uh, I was 21 when I got my license, so I'd been in about a year and we went to church together. So it was two optometrists buying a building. Anyway, the day after that happened, the seller called me, which I didn't know it was listed with another company and asked if that was the, one of the eye doctors buying his building. I said, yeah, it was. And he said, well, I hope you know it's all cash. I've already checked to my attorney, and I fully expect them to close. He's dead. He said that, yeah. And, you know, I thought the better thing to do was just to hang up the phone. I told him, you need to talk to your agent. Don't call me again. And then I hung up the phone and then honestly said everything I wanted to say while he was on the phone. But I didn't know if he was right or not at the time. Well, sure, yeah. And so I called an attorney friend of mine uh, Jeff Graham. And I said that we went to school with, and is he right? And he said, well, if it's a cash deal, yes, uh, they could go against the estate of the buyer. But if he thinks it's closing next week, uh, that's not going to happen. And, you know, personally, I would much rather have my friend back than that transaction any day of the week. But the other eye doctor went ahead and bought it. He just and paid for his the other yeah. half. Yeah. So it 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 turned out okay. But I say a lot of times in the real estate business, you're a counselor. Yeah. Uh, while we don't practice law, you do become a quasi legal advisor, financial advisor. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into 
buying a residential in a residential transaction, it's more emotional. Commercial, it's more facts and figures. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to live in it. No. And so, yeah, that was one of the the situations I thought of. Um, I've had a house about two weeks before closing. I don't know if, I'm sure you remember the tornado that went through downtown Little Rock. Uh, probably been about 20 years ago. Got the governor's mansion yeah. and went out oh, to yeah. Scott and got sure. houses in Old River. One of those houses I was waiting to close on. Ah. And, of course, it blew the house away, so there's no closing. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So, you know, we tell people, don't spend the money before you get it because anything can happen to cause a deal to close. But the good news is most deals you put together close. Uh, We just talk more about the ones that don't. Have the banks got more restrictive? Like I see situations where, you know, a couple truly can't afford the house, but the bank will finance it. You know what I mean? The bank bank will finance it to them, but you know good and well, you can't really afford to live there. They, uh, They are more restrictive than they were between 2000 and 08. And yeah. If you were breathing, you could get a loan to buy a house in that time period. I remember that. Yeah. Um, So today, a buyer does have to have more uh, stable income, decent credit. They don't have to have perfect credit. Um, I would say overall, it's easier today to get a home loan than it was maybe eight, 10 years ago, but not easier that anyone can get one. They still have to have the, uh, it's called the ability to pay. They have to be able to show they have the ability to pay for the debt. Um, but some of the debt to income ratios are around 41%. So that means 41% of their gross income is going to all of their monthly bills. Ah, yeah. So credit figures into it, but those those things are probably just as important. In fact, we see a lot of people with good credit that are having difficulty because of their debt. Not getting approved? They're just too Um, many car loans or too many? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, agents that learn a little more about finance are able to help a little bit because... You know, you can get into the intricacies of it if they've got a debt that's nine months or less paying off, or maybe it's got 10 months. Let's get it down to nine. It won't count. Do you tell them, hey, don't go buy a new boat or something before? What Does that <sighs> probably comes time. in? Yeah, <laughs> that probably happens. It absolutely does. They think, okay, now they've got all my stuff, so now I can go buy furniture. I can go buy this and go buy that. It's like, no, don't buy anything because they're going to pull your credit the day of closing. Oh, yeah. Make sure you haven't went and yeah. bought a Ferrari or exactly. something. Exactly. I want to ask you about this. Uh, the tragic case of Beverly Carter. Mm-hmm. That had to have really changed some things in real estate. 
Um, it did. Um, you know, Beverly was, uh, as she was with others, was a personal friend of ours. And so it was more than just a coworker right. type situation. Um, and yeah, it hit the industry hard, uh, nationally, not just locally, right? The national association president was Chris Polycron from hot Springs. So he was able to take what happened and make safety a national platform while he was president during that time. And the state association formed a safety task force to come up with, you know, basic safety protocols to try and help you not get in a situation uh, where something like that could happen. And today we have one hour required every year in our continuing education for personal safety. And that was a direct result of what happened with Beverly. Now, she was not the first. She was just the one that, uh, you know, she was very popular. She was, uh, I mean, what you saw with Beverly is what you got. She was, she was just an amazing person. Um, she go to your school. She did. Uh, she didn't go to get her pre license, but she came back to get her broker's license and, uh, her and my wife became friends. They would see each other at the gym and Carl jr. Her son, after everything kind of settled down, started the Beverly found, uh, Carter foundation. That's right. And he's doing well going across the country and he'll jump. He does come to my school for CEs, but he also comes and he'll jump in on zoom and do a little safety teaching for a CE class that I'm doing. Um, he and I did a man of the year fundraiser for leukemia lymphoma. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's, uh, he does have his license, uh, but his main focus is trying to prevent what happened to his mother from happening to anyone else. So, you know, the public has really responded for the most part positively mm-hmm. when we tell them, you know, here's some things we do, and it's simply because of safety reasons. It used to be you call an agent, can you meet me out here and show me this house? And they'd be there in no time. And now you're a little more reluctant to do that uh, with someone you don't know. Right. And so we've got apps that we use. Uh, Forewarn is an app that was designed for real estate licensees, and it's a national app. And I could put your phone number in, and it would tell me your entire background. Really? Yeah. Criminal history, uh, public record information. Uh, And another thing we're, you know, we teach agents to do is get a copy of their driver's license because there's information there that sometimes the phone number won't give you the information if it's a, what's commonly referred to as a burner phone or a, Mm -hmm. a paper minute phone. But apps like that, 
are very good in finding out about, you know, basic information about someone. Life 360, which a lot of people use, is a great app for keeping up with people. That is a good one. Yeah. Families can use that. Families use that. Exactly. And, you know, the basic safety training that we teach agents, um, make sure the clients are in front of you the whole time that, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got an escape route. Uh, don't park in the driveway because they can block you in, park on the street. Right, right. You know, just it would seem like common sense things, but really they're not things people would normally think about. True. Um, so it it definitely has, to a certain degree, changed how we, how we do business. And the public has been very good at understanding. Uh you know, we have very few people that, uh, well, I'm not giving you that information. I just want to see the house. We, we just don't have a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because once we explain to them why we're asking the questions, you know, they, they pretty much understand. Have you ever had a showing where you just weren't super comfortable about the people that showed up? Um, Yes. But it wasn't a showing. I also have an appraiser's license, and this was back in the late 90s, and it was around the same time as the HBO movie Banging in the Rock came out. Oh, yeah. Out. I remember that, yeah. Steve Novoycek was... Friend of mine, yeah. Uh, you know, very big into uh, training people how to recognize gang signals mm-hmm. and things of that nature. There was this one street in Midtown Little Rock that I was appraising a foreclosure. The house was boarded up, and this was probably the fourth house on that street that I had done one of these appraisals. And I was sitting in a driveway, and I saw some people down on the corner, and they had their bandanas around their knees, which, based on Steve's uh, information, they're just chilling. They're not, right, you know... So I went back to filling out my paperwork. Next thing I know, they're around their necks. And that's a signal that, you know, they're thinking about doing something. And the next thing I know is they've got them over their faces and they're walking towards me. And it's like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um, I would just do a drive-by showing on Drive-by. Yeah, we yeah. don't use that term in Little Rock. Um, <laughs> we call it a windshield. Yeah, appraisal. there you go. Yeah. But I can... Tell a story about one of our agents real quick. She had, this was way back when I first got into business, but she had called on Wednesday to show a house. An elderly man lived in the house, and he would always go down to a neighbor's property when they showed it. So she called Wednesday and was showing it Saturday. So when she came by to show it on Saturday, he was assuming to be down at the neighbor's Mm -hmm. property. And the couple that he was showing it to, one of them was a law enforcement officer. Uh And so she went up to open the door and he said, don't open that door. And he immediately smelt something he recognized. Right. And it turned out the guy had been dead for three days in there. Ooh. So that's quite a showing. Yeah. Sometimes showings turn into surprises. 
Um, And there's comical things where people have uh, the word apparently didn't get to the homeowner that the property was going to be shown and people have walked in on people in uh, various (laughs) stages of I'm sure uh, dress, undress, coming out of the shower, you know, those kinds of things. Most agents have had an experience of so sold yeah (laughs) it uh it it keeps keeps the process interesting you never know what you're going to run into what are the major misconceptions of real estate i think the major misconception is and i hear this a lot when i ask agents why are you looking at getting in real estate the two most common answers are I love looking at houses and I like the flexibility that the business offers. Well, the first one I love looking at houses really has very little to do ultimately with the real estate business because it's a people business. Mm -hmm. So you've got to love working with people. Um, the flexibility part is a big misconception. Uh, when I hear someone say, I want to get in real estate so I can spend more time with my kids. Yeah, you're going to be busy. Those two are not going to work well together. Uh, because if you're doing the business, you're actually going to probably have less time. Now, all of that can be adjusted to but when people get in brand new, they're just, you know, when you go from a job to no job, uh, a good broker can help an agent structure their work. But I would say those are the biggest and that you make a million dollars for every million you sell. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Don't that work way. that way. Hey, thank you so much for being on Guatney Unplugged. Mid-South Real Estate Academy, midsouthacademy.com, 501-819-3769. Thanks, sir. Thank you. See you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged.